Are you a small business owner or someone who has a real interest in building your own brand? Then deep dive into the UP Consulting Group's Business Building Bootcamp, the annual convention and training camp for entrepreneurial spirits. Join us this March 5 and 6 to discover how you can unlock your business potential. Based on the Youngblood column of the Philippine Daily Inquirer, this is the Youngblood Podcast. Stories written by the Filipino youth that inform, empower, and inspire. A note before we start, this episode deals with violence and it may not be right for some listeners. I'm your host, Leah Angela Shoko. Whether we think about it or not, most of us are subject to gender expectations. All women should be graceful, all men should be tough, and those that don't conform to these two genders are not normal. These statements may seem inconsequential, but cumulatively, they shape us, affect us, and sometimes hurt us. Jericho Zafra writes about just that in his powerful essay, I Hate Cigarettes. I recall an incident two years ago. It was my first time to be surrounded by professional writers. As a freelance ghostwriter, I only needed to work in the four corners of my room and bother my guardian angel with my poor writing skills. I saw them smoking after we submitted their articles to the editor. I found it weird to see them smoking together instead of going home after a long day. One of my colleagues said it was normal. She said smoking was typical among media workers as a way to cope with stress. No, I said, my voice trembling, which left her looking confused. That day, I went home with a heavy heart. The fear I had long suppressed was triggered. That day, I was not able to speak. Flashback to seven years ago when I was a high school freshman. My friends and I decided to go to a town fiesta. I was walking through a dark street and passed by a group of bystanders. Then I felt something painful, and I noticed they were laughing at me. I realized my elbow had gotten scorched by a cigarette. They threw it at me and were laughing. The reason? Because I was gay. Tiisin mo yan, bakla ka kasi, they shouted. That day, I was not able to speak. I had to cover up what happened because who would understand the struggles of being gay? I endured the suffering on my own, but the memory remained as clear as the smoke from a newly lighted cigarette. The guy who threw the cigarette at me was a year older, someone I knew in elementary, who used to torment me for being fat, dark-skinned, and gay. It was the start of my fear of cigarettes and of physical abuse. At 11 years old, I began to accept that verbal abuse would forever be part of my gay life. At 12, I experienced physical abuse through that lighted cigarette thrown at me. In fact, it happened twice, courtesy of the same abuser. At 13, I was humiliated in front of the class by my math teacher because I was unable to answer an equation correctly. 
and what she said stung. Puro kabaklaan lang kasi alam mo. At 14, I was blackmailed by a schoolmate that he would out me to my father if I would not give him 50 pesos every week. The harassment lasted for a month. At 15, he won the student council elections and was appointed editor-in-chief of our publication. But I heard some of my teachers murmuring, baka kabaklaan lang gagawin yan sa council. Hindi naman magaling yan. Siya pa inappoint sa campus paper. At 16, He proved them wrong after I became a champion in a journalism contest and represented our province in the regional competition. But a classmate told me, sabi nila, pertaining to former teachers, walang silbe pagkapanalo mo kung magiging bakla ka lang. At 17, I was verbally abused by a former schoolmate because I declined to write his poetry project. At 18, I was denied freelance modeling work because, as they told me, Clients prefer those who are manly. At 19, on my way to Manila, I was forced to transfer seats because a passenger didn't want his son to sit beside me. At 20, I was harassed in the LRT. At 21, people made fun of my gift pictures and exposed them while I was celebrating my birthday. For nine long years, I refused to speak about these experiences, which all boiled down to my being gay. I decided to be silent. I endured my pain. I was driven to achieve many things for the sake of acceptance, and I acted as if nothing happened. Every time, I worked very hard to earn respect and acceptance. Today. I have decided to speak. I hate cigarettes not because it's bad for the health. I hate cigarettes because it reminds me that gay people are still susceptible to discrimination, intolerance, and harassment up to this day. That what happened to me years ago still happens, and that many stories like mine have been ignored because we live in a society of overwhelming heteronormativity. The release of Joseph Scott Pemberton only proves that patriarchy is odious and repulsive. I am no different from Jennifer Laude. The only thing different is that I am still able to live despite having endured so much abuse. We, all of us, grieve in isolation. Jericho's essay was published last September 29, 2020. And today, he joins me as we talk about his say on gender discrimination, why gender nonconformists should be embraced by society, and his message to everyone struggling with the same experiences he's had. Welcome to the Young Blood Podcast, Jericho. How are you? Hi, Leah. I'm doing good and I'm feeling better after all the chaos we're experiencing right now. Our province is still recuperating from the effects of Typhoon Ulysses. And I'm here juggling my academic responsibilities for online classes, ghostwriting, and I'm doing my editorial job all in one seating. Uh, despite the current health climate, tuloy pa rin ang mga racket. And I know you're doing the best and I hope you're fine as well because 2020 is really tiring now. And thanks for coming today. I'm really grateful for your presence. 
Same. They have so many questions about your essay. It's just it one great gem. But before mm-hmm. we head on to that, I have an icebreaker question for you. Mm-hmm. If you could relive one day of your life, at least so far at this point, what day would that be and why? I think um, for me, I want to go back to the day when it all ensued. I'd like to resurface the time when my elbow had gotten scorched by a cigarette because it all started there. Um, it all rooted in one cigarette and that cigarette defined me wrongfully. It forced me to abide with the norms of the society and I would like to relieve that day because it was also the day when I felt helpless, weak and invalid because it affected my view of acceptance and being real. That at that moment, at that early age, um, my life has been taken away from me because I live fearfully oppressed. I really wanted to go back in that time and present myself proudly because, you know, I want to resist my abuser. Um, only if I could fight, that night wouldn't result in a decade of anguish and maybe I'm living a life far from what the society instructed me to be it. And if I was able to establish dominance over that happening, um, I'm more vocal today about social causes lifting the morale of my fellow abused and maybe I'm capable of educating our queer children that they do not have to gain influence to stand up. They just need to fight for their rights and we're behind them to pursue their dreams that were once invalidated during our time. So sorry again about the things that have happened in your life with regard to all the harassment and the violence and you know just the overall negativity that everyone around you caused. So I hope it gets better from here on out. Um, but I, I trust you're in a happy place, you're in a good place. You're yes, thriving I'm in school and in your extracurricular. So I'm happy for you about that. Um, so yeah, I want to know also, what is your young blood story? Why did you write this? And how did you feel writing it? And ultimately, what made you decide to send it to the Philippine Daily Inquirer? So for me, Youngblood story, uh, it all started from a flashback. Uh, as you can see, it was a recall of a memory that was once a secret remembered after a browse through my memories on Facebook. Uh, right at that moment, I started to narrate and recollect my experiences and struggles as a kid growing up. That document, uh, which happens to be published last September 29, 2020, was created in May. Um, I started writing the article in the third week of May, I guess, and finished in the first week of September. Imagine that short article took four months to finish. And this article Mm -hmm. is an attempt to contribute to various publications like the New York Times, Washington Post, and I aim for Rappler. Uh, No Philippine Daily Inquirer in my mind at the time because I got rejected in Young Blood during my first year in college. And... I lost my patience to being there. So back at it, I wasn't able to finish the article right in time of my desired month, which is June. Um, basically, um, I'm planning it to entry for Pride Month. Since as you noticed, mm-hmm. the article is about the anguish of a growing gay teen, and a lot has happened. And online classes started. And as a journalism student, We were tasked to write a lot, research, present, and do other media-related activities, uh, which failed me to continue writing the piece. At that time, I have racket spa in the writing industry, so it was left in the drafts for a long time. But then again, 
it felt like I have a calling. And that unfinished business is hunting me. And from that instant, I heard the news about Pemberton who gruesomely murdered her trans sister Jennifer Laude, given a parole or a pardon by our very own government. Take note, by our very own government, whom we viewed accordingly from their constitutional responsibilities as our defense from various social ill. So once again, our government failed us. It failed to protect not just our homeland, but as well our rights to live safely because of Pemberton's release. That's why I immediately opened the document and continued writing the article with a heavy heart. I once again recalled my experiences from hate-motivated harassment and decided to speak up and be heard after a decade of depleting silence. I'm having a hard time entitling the piece, so I read the article over and over. Then I decided to entitle the article with that I hate cigarettes one, something that triggered me from speaking, something that directed me from at least give my opinion regarding the parallel circumstances between me and Laude and how this experience has immune the people in my community to live in the society tolerating discrimination and pile hatred to hinder us from living safely. So yeah, that's my story. So how did you feel writing this? Because I feel like with the output that you produced, which was very strong and very emotional. I felt like you had to have certain emotions to be coursing through your veins while writing this, like a melange probably of anger, a little bit of the need for justice, you know, thirsting for that. So I want to know how was it like writing this piece? What was it like being you while you were writing I Hate Cigarettes? The attack of the opinion is to surface one of the many stories of the LGBT community in the voice of a queer child narrating his experiences and conclude those experiences by tallying the fact that with all that's happened, I'm no different with Jennifer Laude because as a matter of fact, I'm just able to live despite the harassment and witness the dying brethren of the community losing the battle in achieving equality and safer public spaces in the society as a whole. I would also like to include that this one is also in memory of our trans sister because we're still in this fight, despite countless unheard stories of hate crimes. And I fear that suffering along with resistance is the only thing that we are capable of passing on to the next generation because the fate of our community at this time does not favor us, diba? And our decry to live without fear of getting physically, emotionally, and verbally harassed by a male-controlled society has not adhered. And... Mm-hmm. The fact that we are not accepting and we're just tolerating without considering the effects of enduring improper gender education, providing stereotypes based on a binary system, um, failure of, you know, recognizing their voices, segment change, and worse, you know, witnessing hate-motivated violence kill their dreams, aspiration, and fear of professional inclusion at the workplace because because of discrimination and without the authority doing anything because the state is immune with this already and they do not care. These are the things that proliferate or give birth to the situation we're struggling right now. I'm so petrified by the fact that gay people are obliged to be um, successful under a heteronormative society in the bigger aspect of life for the sake of acceptance and that we are neglecting their little dreams to be just happy and free because 
yeah, you know, we socially orient ourselves to dream big for the benefit of our standing in the community. So that's why I wrote this story. And then why did you send it to the Inquirer? I tried my luck and the country's newspaper giant for the second time. Sabi ko na, bahala na, basta sinubukan ko ulit. <laughs> and in reading confessions of other published columnists saying na their article got published after waiting for two months, one month. And ako, I think, mm-hmm. hindi ko kayang tiisin na ganun katagal. That's why I submitted the very same article to the New York Times. But days after, I got a reply na, sorry to pass on this. Sobrang na-broke ako nun, broken ako. And I told myself, if my article didn't make it to my dream workplace, better move on. Kasi it's unclear if mapapublish sa Inquirer. So moving forward, after two weeks, on the morning of September 29, I woke up from a friend's message saying, I'm so proud of you, lalo kitang hinangaan. At hindi ko alam na naranasan mo lahat ng yun, sabi. And followed by the link of the said article, humiyaw na ako, and then I cried. And tuloy na, a lot of people are messaging me that day na, Eko, I have nothing but full respect to you. You are so brave enough to speak up. And even my professors are chatting me that I did well. What an excellent and brave article. And, and that they are proud of me. That they really helped me cope up with what happened to me because I was finally able to speak and people listen. And that time, I fear of the backlash, of because you know the story. But it ended up having a strong support system. So, yeah. Yes, and thank you for being persistent on having this article published. You know, and about the New York Times, I mean, it's the New York Times. It's even tougher than the PDI. Um, so it really, uh, it's all right. Yeah, and I'm proud for of you for trying. So kudos to you for that. Um, I have a question, though. You mentioned keeping it a secret for a long time. Um, yes. And I'm sure it must have been very hard. But it's understandable. For us to get a clearer picture, if you'd be willing to share, can you please tell us why? The only reason is... I'm the only gay in the family. You know, the feeling when you have drunk titos during family gatherings. Mm-hmm. You kept telling me na, oh, where's your girlfriend? Horrible. Yes. Oh, high school ka na, dapat may girlfriend ka na. Don't act malam ya, kasi it ruins the image of the family because yun nga, walang bakla sa amin. And my dad, who is a politician, as his son, I was expected to perform good and well in public. And that includes not being babakla-bakla because he was touted to have that strong man image. Because his physical toughness reflected to how he's leading our community for three terms na. Kaya dapat I'm doing the same because public eyes are on us most of the time. And I have to fabricate and channel that straight man look in public. Although when I came out, I'm real now with my identity, but still... I'm doing the best not to be discriminated because we're still unsafe despite being true to ourselves. So for a long time, I had to stay grounded between the idea of dichotomy in the public mirror and my real self because may mga iniwasan tayong imahe na masira if we strive to be true. And by the way, those titos who get drunk and you know keep on asking about your personal life, that's just toxic, honestly. Um, and I'm glad you survived that. And actually, you also brought it up in your essay that the only difference between you and Laude is the fact that you're still living. 
you know, you've been through the same harassment, the same violence, the same torture in a sense. But the, the difference is that you just survive, but you're not accepting it. You're just tolerating it. And that's, I think, the power of your essay. And I want to know how you picked those specific instances from, you mentioned here, from 11 and then to 21 to encapsulate the hardships you experienced? Because I'm sure there must have been some others. So what made you pick these moments of your life? I picked these instances because it's normally happening. When I was a kid, I've always been discriminated at school for being feminine, for liking girl things, which is, you know, in reality, it was just a socially constructed gendering. And I thought it's just normal. At 11, when I accepted the fact that discrimination would forever be part of my life, I accepted that because I was instructed and people did say na pinili mong maging bakla, dapat iisin mong harutin ka sa pagiging malamya. Oh. Oh, diba? <laughs> Challenge yan para mag-isip ka na dapat maging lalaki ka. And you know, I thought it was normal kasi lagi kong naririnig yun. At 12, when I was abused twice through that lighted cigarette thrown at me, I fear na malaman ng parents ko that I'm gay once malaman nila kung bakit ako pinaso ng sigarilyo. That's why I had to cover up kasi like what my abuser said, paso lang yan. Dapat nga bubugbugin pa kita. Alam mo yun, sinabi niya na yun. Um, and I fear for my emotional safety and physical safety that time. Kaya wala akong kibo. When I was blackmailed and humiliated in school, I remained silent because I thought during high school we have to experience them. After all, stories like this in napapanood natin and I thought they were part of the process and dito natin nakikita na gender representation in the media is insensitive during those years because they mold heterosexuals to put hate in the community by just simply normalizing these ideas and it resulted to be a daily habit of rejection and it's very saddening when I was rejected for a freelance modeling work that's a photo shoot eh I love pictorials. <laughs> after that refusal, of course, I felt sad. And after that, I evaluated myself. Siguro nga, hindi ako pang ganon. Because I'm not fair for that. I'm not fit for that type of work. Kasi I'm not straight. And baka maka-affect ako sa brand based mainly on my identity. So I moved on. I just focused mm-hmm. doing freelance writing works in other related activities. I decided to pick these hardships because I thought it's normal and people in my community have to endure that as a consequence of being different. And as I started to leap and explore about these realities, I have learned that oppression is caging me and I realize it is our male-dominated culture that let these things to happen and it's normal for them to do this. You scorch an elbow just because he's a gay is not normal. Harassing someone in a public train because you think papayag siya dahil bakla siya is not okay. Mm-hmm. Declining a person's full potential to do modeling work just because he's gay is wrong. Forcing someone to transfer seats because, you know, you fear na maging bakla yung anak mo is not normal. Wala kaming sakit. Totoo lang. Uh, because being gay is not contagious. Gay people, in reality, are absorbent of pain, struggles, social political anguish reflected to the family, pressures, and a lot more. And I believe that's the reason why I picked these struggles, for them to know that this may be normal, but deep down, it transpired because of hatred. 
and we acted numb of what's happening daily because we're scared that speaking up might affect the toxic masculinity of men. And it may taint the heteronormative culture we believe to be normal and healthy because that's our standard. But now, mm-hmm. hindi na. We won't be silenced again. For sure. And I'm really grateful that you made this decision to open up and to really speak up about what you experienced. Because honestly, kung ako lang, actually, I would have gone farther. I would have like gotten back to all those people who hurt me. Just magsasapat talaga ako ng kaso. <laughs> Pero um, yeah, for you, so on top of like speaking up, you also have like this great and forgiving heart. And while I can sense that need for justice, you're also a little more, parang open to. Just letting it go, you know. Hindi ka na magpapagulo, and that's something that I admire because not a lot of people can do that. Um, kung ako lang siguro, um, everything right now that you know, if I were in your shoes, they would be in court right now, like trying to <laughs> plead guilty or something, or you know, all that jazz. This is injustice. This is injustice, to be honest. And these things are not normal and should not be tolerated. So I'm glad that you brought those up. And on top of these experiences na you brought up and expounded upon, um, what do you think is the worst or the most extreme experience that you've had? I think the most extreme experiences I've had was when I was forced to transfer seats. It was one of the most humiliating parts of my life and of my identity because strangers eyes kept staring and i was trembling to pieces now that time because the father shouted at me saying wag kang tatabi sa anak ko baka mahawa sa iyan although konti pa lang yung laman ng bus that time but the worst feeling ay pinagtitinginan ako ng mga tao as if may sakit ako you know this symbolizes the undying hate and perilous public space because dito kami musgahan humiliated and threatened for being real so totoo lang it was hard for me to process that Currents, knowing that I just wanted to go back to Manila peacefully, but I never thought that this incident would happen, especially on the premise of my gender. Diba ang lala? If you're a person with that mindset, as nagkaanaka, that's just really wrong. Because I think when you grow up and you decide to become a parent, you should be open-minded. Because what if your son eventually is gay, or you know something happens that you're not open to, you're just gonna ruin the child's mental health. You know, we keep on pressuring that kid on adhering to your standards. And uh, adapt mo ba, diba? Yeah, so uh, I don't understand some people who just can't be a little bit kinder. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's more important to mm-hmm. be kind than to be right. And at this point, when yes. you said something about yung tatay po mismo, talaga yung verbal abuse. Wow, that's just that's just horrible. Although this is a hard, you know, this is a very hard experience to deal with because it was in public. Like, public humiliation to eh. So, yes. so was there anyone whom you confided with that helped you get through all these hardships that you battled? Or did you keep it to yourself and handled it all on your own? Tapos, if there was anyone, who was that person? And what was the most valuable help or insight that he or she may have provided you with. Sa totoo lang, Leah, there's, ano, there's no one. <laughs> uh, I keep the suffering on my own for years. Um, it wasn't known by any of my family and friends in the province. Kasi I thought I can endure all of what happened. Although, I made it. Pero yun pala, when you have spare time for yourself to discern after a long day, dun mo may isip na ang dami ko palang laban na pinapagod ko ang sarili ko para makalimutan ko na it happened. Ang dami palang pangungutya, ang pinagsasawalang bahala ko dahil sa takot. 
Kaya hanggang ngayon, may mga gaya ko pa rin na nawawala ng pag-asa at nasisira ang pangarap na matanggap sa lipunan. But now, it's not about me eh. I have to stand for others whose stories are similar to mine and I want them to know that there's help. If ako napangunahan ako ng takot, now, I won't be tamed by the power of our heteronormative culture, especially if it's about defending my brothers and sisters in the community. And now, now that various individuals like me are now speaking up, it's very powerful because alam namin, alam namin and alam natin na we are on our way to triumph. It's a very long way to go, but I'm glad we're on it. Likewise, same. I feel the same way. And I think just I wanted to tap onto what you said, na parang you're not just doing this for yourself anymore. You're doing this for everyone who may be experiencing the same struggles you've had. I think that's just noble. Because that's what really drives us, like our humanity to progress, is when we think of something bigger than ourselves. Like we think of a cause and we commit to that cause and we fight all the way and see it through. I think that's just amazing. And for you to commit to this cause of... It's our human rights, eh? Yeah, of, yeah, of really protecting the LGBT community, making it, making all your voices be heard, and showing that you know all the bad things that you've experienced should not be tolerated. It's just amazing, and yeah. I really, really hope you keep at it, and I will do my best to do that, like to support your message and to really spread the word. Uh, I'm interested because this essay is one of the most powerful ones that I've read. Like just reading it wow, for the first time, I felt like you know, like I feel ko talaga yung passion behind your writing voice, and I want to know the story behind um this certain paragraph, this these certain sentences. So you wrote, and I quote. For nine long years, I refused to speak about these experiences, which all boiled down to my being gay. I decided to be silent. I endured my pain. I was driven to achieve many things for the sake of acceptance, and I acted as if nothing happened every time. I worked very hard to earn respect and acceptance, end quote. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Because I feel like there's more to it. The story behind that is I refused to speak about that because I thought I have to achieve many things first before speaking up against gender-based harassment, which I disagree with in the end because noon, tingin ko sa sarili ko, dust lang ako sa lipunan. Yeah, I did everything. I started joining campus journalism competitions since grade 3 until grade 12. And mm-hmm. from there, I received awards, recognitions, and others. Because I gusto kong paghirapan lahat ng yon, and I have my goal to be heard. Because I thought I have to gain influence before speaking up, and for what happened to me in or- in order to be heard. Because you know, without realizing that even when you think your reach is too small, you are entitled to speak about your experiences, and we have to listen. You know, we need to listen before we stand in the tomb of grieving because it's too late to listen about their experiences. It's too late for us to acknowledge their existence and the role they play for the benefit of the human life. Because in reality, you know, people who gain power through their success are more likely to be heard by all than those who are earning lower minimum. Naging ganun yung concept natin eh. Why? Have you ever heard about the culture of may sabi sa lipunan, gays who are successful enough and obtain power in a higher social class 
and gays who work as a beautician or other related jobs are treated differently because we were forced to believe that gays who did not attain higher degree of success are less important and dapat iduluhin yung baklang successful at sila yung mas dapat pakinggan kaysa sa baklang mababa ang kinikita o narating. At worst, hindi mahalaga yung bosses nila sa lipunan because of the image of their role and as an effect, nakakalimutan nating abutin yung mga simpleng pangarap kasi we thought we have to achieve higher to gain social significance and acceptance. That's why there's fear of speaking up hindi natin nabibigyan ng kahalagahan na pag-usapan ng mga kagaya ng ganitong sitwasyon kaya nagtitiis pa rin ang karamihan na magtago, manahimik at magpanggap dahil at the end of the day, sa pagpili pa rin namin ng ganitong buhay ang sisi ng mundo eh. At hindi sa mga taong hindi nauunawa ng ganitong konsepto na nag-i-exist sa lipun. Yeah, and I just wanna add on to that. I think I brought this up on another episode which was also about social structure, basic yeah judgments on specific classes and kind of putting those people in a box with regard to how you treat them. With what you said about how most people perceive gay people or gender non-conformists depending on their social rank or social status is just toxic. Nahihirapan kaming, um, alam mo yun, gumalaw kasi kailangan namin mataas yung narating namin before kami tingnan bilang tao. It's even harder for you kasi on top of that, parang may negativity na eh. Like, it's just, yeah. it's here right now, and at, as of the moment, a lot of people are gonna think that it's inevitable, but I think it can be stopped, to be honest. We just need to educate ourselves more. And to be more empathetic and sympathizing. Like, we don't need to be gay or to be gender non-conformists to understand you. We just need to be human. You know what I mean? It's just that basic instinct to care for one another. And if you don't see that in someone who's different from you, then I just don't even know what to say. Like, I don't know what to say to you, like, to change your mind. Because it must be super closed and just very makited. Uh, so I just want to let that out. And actually, there's some scientific research on this. So let's talk about that. Like psychology and actual tangible proofs that support the gay community and why we should not shun gender nonconformists. So uh, I actually came across this a few weeks ago for class. <laughs> College people like we 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 read this for class and it just changed my perspective like a hundred percent, like three sixty degrees. It's called Gender Trouble by Judith okay. Butler. So Judith Butler is a professor in the States, um, the University of California. She said something about how gender is not a performance, but rather is performative. So Mm -hmm. I would love to link it in the description box of this episode. So I want to know, what's your say on Judith Butler's claim on gender through her book, Gender Trouble? It's really revolutionary in my opinion. Yes, It's very powerful. I'd like to say that this book is quite interesting philosophically. And it's very powerful because it undermines the traditional normal thinking about gender and its performativity in society. Which is true because gender, when we go deeper beyond ourselves and our beliefs, is just purely a social construction open to change and contestation. You know, dispute. (laughs) And... It's pleasant to know that Butler published Gender Trouble in 1990, right? At that mm-hmm. time, it, it, AIDS is a huge problem in the US and the world. Plus, 
the blame is on the community and it resulted in a very problematic scene of refusal when it comes to social acceptance, healthcare, and love. In its very essence, uh, this book is relevant up to this day. And we have to learn that this book bravely fought intolerance and ideological instance and gender in the height of blaming and discrimination caused by HIV AIDS to the community. Something that should be read by everyone because it's really eye-opening. I think it's a safe haven. If everyone read this, I think the world would be a much better place. Exactly. Like, it, it really shifts your perspectives in a good way, in a good way. You become more open-minded and, yes. in effect, you become a better person. So, aside from this groundbreaking book by... Judith Butler, what other books or movies kind of became your safe space and gave you the understanding, you know, that you are good enough and that your truth deserves to be respected? You know, Leah, if there's any or if there's only one thing I found in this world to be safe, that would be, of course, in writing. You know, I found the asylum in literary content since it's me hiding from the world despite being too open about my homosexuality. I found the best refuge when I write poetry, theater scripts, and stories of the unheard because I am capable of listening to social contents. I was competent to value the importance of life detail and its significance to our crusade. I would like to share that because, because of writing, I was able to express social realities observing the dying democracy. And last year, yung akala kong write-up na madadagdag lang sa unpublished contents ko was included in the very first Chiang Mai Fringe Festival of Arts in Thailand where two of my written monologues were performed by the 41-year-old premier theater company of Letran. The two theater monologues was entitled Sakanay Do Ulina. Sakanay is about the political and economic oppression to our farmers and the effects of rice tarification law to the daily death of our poor farmers. And Uuwina is about the death of an OW mother and of her daughter going in the same abusive country after the OW's demise because the Philippines in reality is death alone of economic opportunities. So I'm very happy that as a gay writer, I was given the voice to write with the oppressed and also for the oppressed sector of the Philippines. I was capable of embarking on new fields of writing despite the limitations caused by my gender and it gave me an understanding that I'm good enough and I'm doing my best for the country despite being gay. Of course and I want to congratulate you on your monologues you know about the Sakana and Uwi now um yeah I would love to hear some tips about that but for another for another time like yeah let's focus on the young blood column baka mamayang pag-usapan natin mga broadway na but um anyway so you mentioned earlier that you really tried so hard to be published on the inquirer so you had two rejections tapos you still pushed through so i'm sure you learned so many things along the way so what tips or advice do you have for our listeners who aspire to be published on the philippine daily inquirer's young blood column so for my tips and advice i would like to remind my fellow writers to craft your piece based mainly on what is related to your heart from the word young blood we are expected to write stories that run through our veins as youthful beings realizing the contents of the world 
um, because we cannot write something big without encircling or at least giving attention to those little spots in your heart which serve as stories needed to be heard by the masses. You know, young blood opinions recognize every bit of your story because even when you think that your story is just a small piece of a larger whole, let us realize the value of that detail in making your story different among other experiences. And also take your time. Do not write your article if you wish to be published immediately on the following week uh, because editors of Young Blood publishes best Young Blood opinions thrice a week. So make sure you have given your craft enough time to be written, have someone to critique your work, read, read, read your piece multiple times, and check the consistency of your masterpiece from the emotion, social relevance, um, advocacy, call to action, and of course, observe rules of traditional journalism practices in curating your ideas to the write-up and apply those principles to attain that ethical journalistic opinion piece. Hindi rin maganda na ang opinion ay puro emotion because it is also important to balance the journalistic aspects of your piece because remember na you aim to include your article in a newspaper. That's why you have to consider the editorial policies of a newspaper or any publications in terms of writing. Sometimes, kaya nare-redsik ang article kahit gano'n pakaganda ang pagkakasulat ay hindi ito akma or hindi ito umaakma sa vision ng editorial board at ng company itself. Also, properly observe the rules of basic opinion writing, its principles and approaches. Once you already know about the traditional style, go on with twisting the style by using your own attack according to your topic and its political relation to your story. Please take note that your experience is political and it has to be argued based on justified reasons. So make sure that your op-ed contains that form because this is not just a simple piece of essay or a writing. You're telling a story and you're shaping public opinion. There's that responsibility talaga. Yes. Develop your own style. Do not adapt from other columnists because the way you write is how you're styling your story to drive attention from the readers. And having your own style accolades the authenticity of your work and your purpose to be in line with those deserving columnists. Kasi isang factor din because young blood opinions highlight adult impacts to the society. So make sure that your piece should steer minds, not just the minds mm-hmm. of the youth, but as well those generations before us to partake in listening to our voices and rise by the help of them to induce social change and hopefully bridge the gap between us through your written voice. Which for me, I say that that is the purpose of young blood to build connections through telling stories and strengthen them to actively reawaken the new blood of leadership, speaking the courage, remain intact while breaking lethal norms, and of course, to debar false cultures from whitewashing the real state of the democratic society. I believe that Young Blood is a platform of entwining the concept of solving generational conflicts and persuading new perspective for the benefit of inclusivity for all. After all, this platform unites a specific demographic on the premise of telling stories. And when people listen, we are allowing a healthy flow of dialogue between generations. So make sure that your article holds that power. And lastly, we write for other voices to be heard too, not just for our own voices. 
remember that your article you wish to be published intensifies other voices around you and it speaks a greater volume louder than you imagine so allow your story to be a speaker for others and allow others by your help to speak for themselves too so i guess that's it yeah and thank you for that i mean it's very obvious that you have gone through so many workshops like i can tell like it brings me back so to much. pia days yeah of listening to seminars mm-hmm. I feel like you've been through them too, so. Yeah, and aside from advice on getting published, on writing well, and becoming a better writer, what advice naman do you have for those suffering gender discrimination and to those who are still against gender nonconformists? I think this is the most important part of this episode, so I'd love to hear about your thoughts. My advice uh, to those who are against gender nonconformists May we assess our unswerving beliefs if we are still gaining spiritual comfortability while seeing your brothers and sisters suffer. Let this be a reminder that they are also human with hopes of being equally accepted and with a desire to break oppressive norms. Let us not make use of religious scriptures to hinder them or bar them from living a life free from hate, violence, and exacerbation of state conflicts as a result of bias manipulation. Uh, utilize the power. To influence the state rulers that ask believers it is their right to enjoy life as a basic necessity and liberty of course and not as a commodity to market hatred and lastly there's more to life than being masculine and feminine strength should not be based on the toughness of a person because strength sometimes is the ability to accept social realities that we are not tied as beings to be masculine and feminine alone we are tied to live our purpose without the threat of gender dominance. To my brothers and sisters who are still suffering from gender discrimination, I would like to remind you to not be intimidated by the power of gender expectations strengthened by patriarchal society. Remember that you have the power to break through the barriers and that always search for your self-acceptance. What you do and who you are today is valid and also together As one community, let us diminish the systematic occurrence of a binary system in this society because it is our right to not be justified between either feminine and masculine because we are diverse. As a society, we are diverse. And inclusively adapting changes based on who we are and not by what we should look like in the eyes of the public. Also, keep educating yourself and the people around you. You do not need to prove anything. There's no need for you to be an achiever or professionally successful or financially secured in order to be seen, heard, and to be significant. You just have to be you. Uh, live the life you deserve without living in the system of heteronormativity. You are normal and never a lesser human. I think it's important to be reminded that our fight never stops. We won't be silenced until queer children never have to endure harassment on the basis of their identity again. And as one community in pursuit of justice, tolerance, and acceptance, and of course equality, may we remind ourselves to remain united. Most of the time, kaya nahihirapan tayong tanggapin ang lipunan kasi nakikita nila tayong nagkakawatakwatakan social ideals and political aspirations. Let us not compete with one another despite differences of how we viewed homosociality and social rights we deserve. Tandaan natin na ang karlaban natin ay ang karahasan at hindi ang mga dinarahas. And I'd like to end my message by citing an excerpt from an essay I wrote for a writing class in high school. It says, 
Maraming pagkakataon na binibigo nating palayain ang ating sarili pagkat natatakot tayong mabawasan ang ating kalayaan sa pagtuklas ng ating katauhan sa labas ng rehas. Sa kagaya kong bakla na ikinahihiya at dinarahas ng mundong nagluwal sa akin, sanggol din ako sa kamuangang lalaki akong may puot ang sambayanan sa aking katauhan. Hindi pala palaging pagkawala ang pagkapakuhulugan ng ipunan sa kalayaan pagkat may talinhaga pala sa likod ng kahulugan nito. Bilang isang bading na pinanday ng pangungutiha at paglisan, masikip ang espasyo ng kalayaan sa buhay at karanasan. Marahil karaniwan lamang ito sa iilan, ngunit luho para sa akin kung ituturing ang kalayaan. Sino bang mapaningilang hahayaang palayain ng paksa ng komedya? Pagkat ganito kami tinitingnan ng lipunan, katawa-tawa, kalait-lait. Ngunit sa likod ng lahat ng ito, ang kalayaan pala ay pagsasarili. Ngunit ang pagpapalaya sa sarili bilang alipin ng komedya ay konsepto ng paghahangad ng matiwasay na pagkalas sa marahas na lipunang pumapalakpak at nangahamok sa tulad kong sampid sa baluarte ng mga lalaki. Bakla ako, hindi ko itatanggi. Sapagkat hindi ako maaring mabuhay na lamang sa takot at baguhin ang aking katauhan para lamang ituring bilang makataong mamamayan. Dahil ang pagtanggap sa sarili ay kalayaan, at dito rin umaalpas ang katotohanan ng parte ka ng lipunan, hindi kalibangan, at nararapat kang mahalin minuman. So, that's it. That's Aliyah. Thank you so much. Napakagandang mensahe. Maraming salamat, Jericho. Ay, napilitan ako mag- mag-Filipino. <laughs> you write very well, both in English and Filipino. So, so I just want to say that you're such an amazing writer. Um, so I'm excited for what's to come for you. You're a strong person. You're a great person. And I'm really grateful that you're sharing that strength, that bravery, and that vision to everyone through your writing and now through your actual voice, you know, literal voice through this podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you for speaking at the podcast. And of course, thank you as well for allowing me to be part of this dialogue. Jericho Zafra is a third-year journalism student at 400-year-old Colegio de San Juan de Latran, Manila Institute of Communication. He is a freelance writer, researcher, and editor, and is currently appointed as country sub-editor of the Philippines in a non-profit media organization based in Kathmandu, Nepal. He recently joined the 8th Bodley Head Financial Times Essay Prize Competition Britain 2020, submitting an essay containing the voice to reform for contemporary leadership and empowerment among the youth and the socially challenged LGBTQ community. This has been the Youngblood Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions as to which works to feature on our next episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or to DM us on Instagram. We're also on other social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter, so if you want, please go ahead and give us a follow. We appreciate each and every one of you. I'd also like to thank everyone who's been with us since day one. You guys are the real heroes behind this podcast. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Thank you very much. This has been Leah Angela Shoko. Thanks for listening. Until next time.